0: Look at his movements, the most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. a oh. Goal, sensational! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again! The world is left to wonder, wide-eyed, thrilled, bemused, how on earth did that happen? Hello
1: everybody, and welcome back to this live edition of Wonder Goal. This is a World Cup betting preview from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff, in just a moment. I'll be joined by my co-hosts, my compadres, my betting heroes, BJ Cunningham and Anthony Debundo. And together, the three of us will break down all eight round of 16 matches, pick out some of our best bets. Then we'll get out of here and get ourselves prepared for Saturday morning's kickoff between the Netherlands and the United States. But before I bring in those two handsome gentlemen, a reminder... Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game. Get 200 free. All right. My brothers in betting, BJ, Anthony. Unfortunately, we had to say goodbye to 16 World Cup teams, but we still have 16 left. And we'll whittle that down to eight. But before we do, we got to break this thing down. And we're going to start with our favorite bets for the round of 16.
0: And we're going to start with you, BJ, coming to us live from Iowa. Yeah, I like France minus one and a half and minus 115. They were probably the most impressive team of the group stage. They created 6.7 expected goals against Australia and Denmark, essentially the two matches where they played a full lineup. And then against Tunisia, they obviously lost. They were rotating a bunch of guys. They didn't really need to win the match. So uh, I kind of throw that one out the window. What they did such a good job of against Australia, because that's the best comparison here, right? Because Poland is going to stay very compact. They're going to play a low block similar to what Australia did, although Australia is a little more aggressive in that low block in terms of their pressing. Mbappe and Theo Hernandez on the left side, playing a lot of 2v1s, creating a lot of overloads. Carisman was allowed to roam the pitch. They created those overloads on the left side of the pitch, just gave Australia a bunch of fits, and that's why you saw Mbappe just creating chance after chance after chance. And then they absolutely just paced to Denmark. So I have no reason to believe why they should not pace this Poland team, who I think is the worst team to make the round of 16 against Argentina and against Mexico. They created 0.6 non-penalty expected goals. They took eight shots and they had 14 touches in the penalty area. Like we've been saying forever, it's Lewandowski or nothing. They're just going to send long balls up to him and hope for the best. And France has one of the best defensive midfielders in the entire world in Chimeni, who should be able to stop any type of counterattack that Poland's going to throw at them. They Poland's just basically been riding Chesney's coattails, and he put up a great performance against Argentina, but he's way overdue to concede. So I like France to absolutely just pace Poland and get to the quarterfinals to set up a Great, great matchup with England. So France, minus one and a half for me is my best bet. Yeah, France is a team that I think all
1: three of us, relative to the market, we're kind of down on coming into the tournament. We've started to change our tune a little bit. Uh, But one team that, Anthony, you're not changing your tune about, the Portuguese, os navigadores.
2: Yeah, you know, I was sitting around this afternoon just kind of praying for this spot, praying for the Swiss to get through. They looked a little dicey there early on, conceded twice in a row to Serbia, went down 2-1, but got through went up won the match really encouraged not even just with the fact that they beat Serbia but how uh, you know alive their attack looked Ray Alembolo looked awesome Jed and Shakiri creating chances and scoring from out wide I was extremely impressed created over 2.4 expected goals against the Serbians granted Serbia has not been a particularly good defensive side but I like this I like the Swiss again plus a half against the Portuguese we saw the Swiss play against Brazil which I think is a little bit of a better comparison for how this match may go. Portugal doesn't have quite the athleticism and the team speed, uh, and they don't have quite the, we'll say, difficulties at striker with with getting uh, a lot of production from the striker position that Portugal does necessarily with Ronaldo. But I think Switzerland will be able to limit transition opportunities, sit a little bit deeper, transition effectively. The biggest question mark for me with Portugal coming into the tournament was how they progressed the ball through the midfield and get it into the attacking third. That's actually not really been an issue. The problem has actually been their transition defense And how vulnerable they've looked, conceding twice to Ghana, nearly a third if Inaki Williams hadn't slipped. And against Uruguay, once Uruguay ramped up the pressure, they created chance after chance in that second half. Don't take a ton from the Korea match today, but didn't look great defending set pieces either. So there are major question marks for this Portugal attack. I think they're a little overvalued still. I've been thinking that all tournament. I'm going to take the Swiss plus a half to uh, give them a run and maybe even get through this and advance to the quarterfinal and pull off an upset.
1: It's so surprised for me if, you, if you've been following along our World Cup coverage, my favorite bet for this round. Samurai Blue, Japan, they're plus 150 to advance against Croatia. Anthony, you just talked about how Portugal kind of profiles the same way that Brazil does. They're just kind of a poor man's Brazil. I, I think the same could be said about Croatia compared to the two teams that Japan beat in the group stage, Germany and Spain. This is a team that wants to, Croatia, that wants to be on the ball. They want to be able to control the game. They want to keep it on script. They want to keep it on Luka Modric's script. And when it comes to Japan, you just throw the script out. Like they beat Germany. They lose to Costa Rica. They beat Spain. This team has, this world cup has been crazy, but no team has been more of a thrill ride than Japan. The team speed, the athleticism, the technical ability when they get the ball should give Croatia a ton of trouble there. Belgium, of course, are the most disappointing team in the tournament, but they were a a Romelu Lukaku 1.98 XG turning into a goal away from not being in this round, right? So they've been a disappointment too. I think people aren't realizing that because I think Croatia is a little overrated in the spot. Keep backing Samurai Blue here. They punch up better maybe than any team in the tournament outside of the Americans. And that's what we'll talk about next. We will now break down all eight round of 16 matches and we will start with Team America, the United States of America. They are playing 10 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday against the Netherlands. Clockwork Orange, minus 118 on the three-way money line. USA plus 350. The draw is plus 350. The Netherlands is minus 225 to advance. USA plus 175 to advance. Of course, these odds are brought to you by our friends at Bet365. BJ,
0: what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, if you listen to our preview pods, you know that all of us have a U.S. to advance the quarterfinals to get a plus 450. They're sitting at plus 175 now, but I still think there's some value on that to get it on the U.S. to get to the quarterfinals because they looked great against England, especially in the midfield. What they did an outstanding job of, Michael, is they sat in a mid-block and they didn't really provide a lot of pressure to the center backs. They cut off the easy passes to Declan Rice, Jude Bellingham, and Mason Mount and forced England to play the ball out wide and beat them with crosses. And England was not able to do that. So far, the Dutch have not looked good at all offensively. If you go through their matches, they scored two goals off of 0.7 against Senegal. Then against Ecuador, Cody Gakpo scored from outside the box. After that goal, they took one shot and had five penalty box touches. So if the United States is able to take away the easy passes to Frank De Young and not allow him to conduct the midfield and really the Dutch out wide men really haven't looked great in terms of progressing the ball up the pitch and getting crosses into the box. I think the United States can absolutely defend very, very well in this match. Keep the Dutch out of the net. The United States still has not allowed a non-penalty goal and only two, a non-penalty expected goals this tournament. So I don't think there's much of a gap between these two teams right now. I wouldn't be surprised at all if this thing went to extra time. So I do like the United States to advance at plus plus one seventy-five. I think that they're absolutely live in this match you can really hurt the Dutch on the counter, although Netherlands does have good center backs. If they can catch Netherlands too far off the pitch, we can maybe spring a few counter attacks similar to the way Senegal and Ecuador were able to beat them.
1: There is some lineup stuff here. Kristen Pulisic has been cleared to play. We'll see if he does get the, the nod for the full 90. Of course, these games could go extra time. And, and a reminder that if you are betting the three way money line, if you bet Team USA to win and the game goes to extra time, you lose your bet that draws the, the bet that wins. So uh, just keep that in mind before placing your bets. Uh, Anthony, there's also some some talk about a uh, flu bug going through the the Dutch camp as well. So there is a lot to kind of parse through here. So I think that if you're going to bet team USA and and this especially, you know, this is true in America, right? Like there's going to be a ton of money coming in on on the Yanks tomorrow morning when everyone wakes up realizes the game's starting in 15 minutes, get your USA bets in. So if you are on team USA, I would you might want to do it before you go to sleep tonight. Are you going to be doing that?
2: Yeah, if you follow me in the app, I already bet the United States plus a half. Uh, I'm also holding a Dutch to make the quarterfinals minus 130 ticket from before the tournament that I am feeling a bit precarious about. And the Dutch were a team I was pretty high on coming in. They had really looked great in the Nations League. But I'm starting to wonder what that really told us about the Dutch, because the three teams they play in the Nations League were Wales, Poland and Belgium, and they romped through those teams. But we have not been impressed by any one of those three teams in this actual tournament. So maybe the Dutch were perhaps a bit overrated coming in and the numbers would back that up. I mean, they're top 10 in getting the ball into the final third, but they're bottom 10 turning that into box entries and uh, attacking penalty area touches. They're not getting a lot of shots, not getting a lot of expected goal production, 0. 0.77 expected goals per match. It's been Gakpo finishing or nothing. They will have Memphis Depay back for this one. He started the last match, played an hour. I don't think he can go a full 90. So there is fatigue question marks for both teams, especially now that Frankie De Jong may have the flu and a couple other Dutch players rumored to be a bit of an outbreak there. So fatigue questions on both sides as well. I like the USA plus a half. I wrote a full preview in the app. Uh, you know going deeper into this match uh, you can go read it but really it comes down to the United States defensive midfield taking away access to the penalty area for the Dutch and the United States not offering a ton going forward against the three-man back line of the Dutch themselves so I think this could be a bit of a stalemate don't dislike the look at the under either but uh, the United States clearly a little bit undervalued here
1: yeah I like uh, USA plus 175 to advance I think the key to this matchup is what we saw in the England matchup which I think is arguably, the best performance we've seen out of a a U.S. team in a World Cup in a long, long time. They hold England to nil-nil. And if you watched England play Iran and you watched England play Wales, I mean, you should come away pretty impressed with that performance. And the difference between England, Iran, and Wales is that of those three teams, playing against those three teams, the U.S., they didn't have the onus to have the ball against England. But against Iran and Wales there was a lot more pressure on them to create their own offense and not capitalize on mistakes and against this this Dutch team who also want to be on the ball. And, and like BJ said, they want Frankie Dion to be able to orchestrate in the midfield. The U.S. should be able to play to deploy their most comfortable tactic, which is to you know put some pressure in the midfield, look to turn the ball over, get the ball to the feet of Kristen Pulisic or Tim Weah uh, or Anthony Robinson or Segino Dest out wide and, and let their athleticism and team speed put a vulnerable Dutch defense uh, under some pressure. I also, like Anthony said, The Netherlands played in such a soft group. They win the group, but they were not impressive at all. It took a a pacing of Qatar, a checked out Qatar team that was, you know, look out terrible in this tournament for Netherlands to get into the black in terms of their expected goal difference. So I think they're a little bit of a paper tiger here. And I would not want to be playing Team USA right now with what we saw out of them when they had to punch up against England. So I'm with you guys. I like the Americans plus 175 to advance. 2 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday, Argentina minus 500 taking on Australia, 14 to one. The Socceroos are on the three-way line. The draw is plus 550. Argentina is a robust minus 1,200 to advance. Meanwhile, Australia, seven to one. The Socceroos, big, big underdog here. They get by despite, you know, terrible underlying numbers, despite playing in a group with France and, and everyone's favorite dark horse, Denmark. But they're here and they could give Argentina some issues here, BJ, I think. You know, they're, they're, they're just going to sit back, park a yellow bus and,
0: and hope to catch Argentina on the counter. Will they be able to do it? I think they might be able to. And I'm going to take both teams to score at 180. What you saw from Argentina against Poland is they pretty much solved the tactical problems they were, they were having against both Mexico and Saudi Arabia where their midfielders were getting pressed too far up the pitch. There was nobody in the middle pitch to come receive the ball from the center back. So that means... Messi would have to come out to actually receive the ball deeper, which means you're taking away your best attacker from the box, which is not good news. They played Enzo Fernandez and Alexis McAllister, a Brighton legend in the middle of the park against uh, Poland. And then they had a lot more ball progressing, a lot more ball winning, did a lot much better with their pressure. But I think Australia can give them problems because Although Australia does play a similar defensive style that it does to Poland, Poland's more of a low block team. Australia is actually more of a mid block. They do play a little bit higher. They do press a little bit higher up the pitch. They were really, really effective against both Tunisia and Denmark at cutting off those passing lanes, winning the ball. And then it's just quick strike offense. That's what Graham Arnold wants. He wants two to three passes and he wants to catch the defense out of position. And that's what they did against France. Obviously, you know, the Lucas Hernandez. Injury plays a part in that, but they were able to do that against Tunisia, and then eventually how they're able to score against Denmark. I mean, they've scored in every single match so far this tournament and for a very possession-dominant team like Argentina and a lot of these possession-dominant teams throughout the tournament, where are they most vulnerable? When they're out of position and they lose the ball high. So Australia will be very aggressive in terms of their mid-block and their pressing, cutting off those passes through the middle, forcing Argentina to play the ball out wide. So I think there's a good chance that they can score here. Uh, So I like both teams to score at plus 180. I think it's a little a little bit too uh, too high for a given what we've seen from Australia and their quick strike offense.
1: Yeah, the fighting spirit of the soccer ruse, Anthony. It's <laughs> alive and well into the, the knockout round for the first time since 2006 when Tim Cahill was running the show. What are your thoughts here, Argentina, Australia? Yeah,
2: Australia just putting up a 1.5 expected goals in three matches. Not really that impressive. And, and like BJ mentioned, their best scoring chance of the entire round came because Lucas Hernandez tore his ACL and then couldn't defend the incoming cross. Uh, So I, I think the Australian defense is also a little bit vulnerable. Like France ripped them apart pretty easily. I think there's a very real chance that Argentina just kind of does the same, but I'm not laying two here, which is basically what the line is. And I'd have to lay, Uh, I don't hate to look on both teams to score because Australia goes down, especially early. You're going to see them have to come out and go for it. And they have nothing really to lose. So could see them, you know, put some pressure on Argentina, which no team has had to do at this point. You know, we saw Mexico, conceded a little bit too late for that to matter. And Poland was playing the goal difference game. So nobody really wanted to go at Argentina except Saudi Arabia who did score twice. Uh, Granted, there were some flukes in there. So I I, passing here.
1: Yeah. I I can listen to BJ's argument. Maybe I'll get on the, the both teams to score, but otherwise it's, it's pretty much a pass for me. I just don't trust the Australia offense to continue to, to fire away. Like Anthony said, they're, they're creating very little uh, and, and they're just making good. They get one chance of the game and it's finding the back of the net So far, I don't know if that'll continue, despite going up against an Argentina defense I don't think any of us trust. All right, we'll flip it to Sunday now. 10 a.m. kickoff is France. They're minus 334 on the three-way line. Poland, 12 to 1. The draw here is plus 375. France is minus 900 to advance. Poland, 5.5 to 1. I think, you know, BJ, we already got your thoughts on this match. Anthony's. we'll, we'll go to you. I think that we can all say, and I think this is the general consensus, Poland is the luckiest team of any of the 16 to be in this group. I mean, you could say that about Australia, but they earned their way in Poland at one point was just getting in through yellow cards. So are we going to be fading Robert Lewandowski and company here? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it is, it is a little scary.
2: Didier Deschamps, I'm laying a goal and a half with this French team. You know, I, I just don't trust them because of how he is as a manager. And you know, there's always a fear that they can get an early goal or get a goal and then just kind of sit. But even in that scenario, I don't see a world where Poland's able to come out. Poland finished bottom five in the possession percentage, despite playing in a group with Saudi Arabia and Mexico, who are not possession dominant teams whatsoever. So this Poland team wants to sit deeper and try to, you know, find Lewandowski in transition. But like BJ mentioned with Chiuameni, Many is like Conte Jr. but tall. He's like the, you know, and, and he's doing the, job that they needed from Conte that they did not have because he's injured. Too uh, many is doing it and doing it just as well as Conte does when he was in his prime in 2018. And I think the biggest difference, not only is Dembele getting up the right wing and just wreaking havoc with ball progression, but they're putting more people forward. Rabio getting into the penalty area more and Teo Hernandez, the injury to Lucas Hernandez has opened the door for Teo. Who's one of the best attacking left backs in the world to get forward combine with
1: Mbappe and overload teams. I think they're going to overload Poland here. I like the minus one and a half. I am with you, I think this is a France route. I think you could find value in a, a, a number of different ways. One I'm thinking about is, is France uh, to win to nil. They're minus 120 at that line at Bet365. Poland, they just don't create anything and, and they're totally fine. Like I could see them going into this matchup with the the idea of let's just get this thing to extra time or let's just try to win a you know a penalty or a direct kick deep in ter- France territory. Hope we get lucky and, and try to see this thing out because that's what they've done. Uh, they've been so game state dependent, you know, the, the way they played the end of that match on the last match day, it was, it was absurd. And like I said, the luckiest team to be in here, France, meanwhile, probably the opposite end of the spectrum, even though they did lose to Tunisia, like you said, that was a changed squad. They've been the most impressive of the favorites, I would say. So this is a mismatch, probably the biggest one in my eyes of the round of 16. So all three of us on France, it's BJ's favorite bet of the round as well. 2 p.m. Sunday, BJ, your boys, the three Lions of England, minus 188 against your other boys, the Lions of Taranga. Senegal, plus 700 on the three-way line. The plus, the draws plus 280 uh, to advance. England, minus 450. Senegal, plus 333. This will be like choosing between your your children for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, would it surprise you to say that, to hear that uh, my favorite animal is a lion? Anyway, I like England here. Minus one, minus 110. Of course. I think what you see from Senegal is they have, yes, they have been very impressive. They are a very, very good defensive team. You know, throughout Africa Cup Nations and World Cup qualifiers, they only allowed 0.74 expected goals per 90 minutes. And they haven't allowed anybody to create over one expected goal throughout the group stage. But this is mighty, mighty England they're facing now. And what they've been very, very vulnerable at defensively is crosses. They've allowed 21 passes into their penalty area. 11 have come from across. And what do we know about England? They're one of the best set piece teams in the entire world. And they are pretty reliant on them as well. Now the fear here for England is that Senegal has a ton of athleticism. They have a ton of pace and they can really, really hit you on the counter, but they haven't really been pressing teams high against the Netherlands. They had a pass for defensive action of 16.9. And they only forced four high turnovers. So if they're not going to put any pressure on Harry Maguire, or John stones, they're probably gonna have the same game plan that the United States had against England which was cut off the easy passes to Jude Bellingham, Mason Mount, and Declan Rice, and just stay very, very compact in the middle. But like I already mentioned, if they're going to force England to swing the ball wide, they've been very vulnerable at, at giving up those type of crosses. Plus, we've now reached the knockout stage, and what are the, what's the biggest thing in this tournament as we go farther and farther into it? It's depth. England has it, Senegal doesn't. Senegal's basically had to play the same starting 11 for the entire tournament, while England's had the ability to rotate guys because they beat Iran 6-2 in the first meeting. So England's the fresher team, they're the better team. And the reason I like the minus one on the spread and not taking them minus minus one ninety is we've seen from this world cup is that once a team goes up one, nothing and the other team's like, Oh crap, I got to get back into this match. The match opens up a lot. And we've seen it both in the Wales and Iran match that when England is afforded the space with the amazing, amazing attackers that they have, they can just punish you. So I think this is an England two, nothing win. I, you see the total set very, very low because these are two very good defensive teams, two very slow paced buildup type teams, but I do think England eventually gets through, so I'm gonna take them minus one at minus one ten.
1: Anthony, on our podcast, BJ is always higher on England than you or I are. I think you're probably in the middle. Uh, you know, I, I'm a little lower. BJ a little higher. Then you're in the middle. You're kind of the reasonable <sighs> one. You're guess, too busy it,
0: reading the Sun, Michael. You're when, too when busy. To you're <laughs> too busy reading the Daily Mail. it listening comes listening to how Gareth Southgate is too conservative and everything, the reality is this is the best team in the world.
1: Yeah, Japan. <laughs> Japan, would like uh, I like the under. Japan would like a word. Japan
2: would like a word. I like the under uh, two and a quarter minus one fifteen. I agree with all the points that that BJ made about England get, gets Kyle Walker back now. I think it's a huge addition for this kind of match where he's kind of the sweeper. He's he kind of, you know, long balls over the top are in he's in charge of that more so than Stones and Maguire, and he kind of cleans up the mess and doesn't really get forward a ton. And compared to somebody like Kieran Trippier, who is going to get forward a ton and is going to progress the ball and, and cross it in, I don't think we'll see as much of that So from Walker. So I think that limits the English attack a little bit and helps the defense. So that helps me here. Uh, and Senegal doesn't really have like a creative playmaker type and Mane being out. Like it hasn't really mattered to this point. Uh, Ecuador sat super deep and tried to absorb pressure and, and Senegal was very good at kind of taking them apart, but they're going to have very little of the ball here. And a team I look for in transition needs to have one, a finisher, one playmaker, somebody who can really threaten. And we kind of saw it in the Dutch match a little bit where Senegal just kind of didn't have a ton of options. They created a lot of mediocre to not good scoring opportunities. And I think it's going to be very hard for them to get uh, much against this England defense. So I like the under two and a quarter And and yeah, Southgate is conservative. If they go up a goal, We've seen it from them time and time again. Now that they're in the knockout stage, it only gets even tighter. I think this game uh, will will not have a ton of transition opportunities for either team. So I like the under.
1: Yeah, you, you just described a rock fight. I think that this game will be a rock fight. You like the under, I like the underdog in a game that I think could be decided by you know a lucky break here or there. I mean, it's soccer. The margins are going to be fine. And Southgate, think about the one match where England had to play a athletic, a quick team, a team that could actually play pressure them and cause some issues in the midfield it was team usa and that was their worst performance and they were much what was the kind of general consensus about that that performance from the england standpoint they were too conservative they didn't take as many, as many chances because they were afraid of getting picked apart going the other way and that's what happens in these high stakes matches under gareth southgate is handbrake on vj handbrake on even without Adrisa gay in the middle this senegal midfield should still be hard to deal with. They're athletic. They're quick. They can turn the ball over. They're physical. They can get it to Sarr. They can get it to Dia. They can hurt you on the counter still. And they have threats on set pieces too with, with Koulibaly in the air. So I just think, look, it's 7-1 on the three-way money line for a reason. England is a much better team. You know who else closed around this number against England? Wales. Senegal is much better the final. than Wales. I know, but why, why is the number the C? It shouldn't be. This It's telling you right away, value on the underdog here. England, they play things way too fine to be able to lay this kind of number against a good team. I've scored Senegal, nine miles. Good underdog bet here at a big, big number. 10 a.m. on Monday. The headliner, for those who know. Japan and Croatia. Japan's plus 275. Croatia, plus 115. The only team that's uh, not an odds-on favorite. The only favorite that's not odds-on on the three-way line. The draw is plus 220. To advance, Japan already taking money. They're plus 137 at Bet365. Croatia's minus 175. Already gave my thoughts. No surprise, BJ. I'm on. Samurai Blue, what about you? Yeah,
0: I'm going to be on over two goals at minus 130. I think total set a little too low here. So the fear for Japan is the match that happened between Croatia and Canada, where Canada is a very similar team that sets up like Japan, where they are sit back, low block, but are very, very aggressive. They're pressing and then quick strike counterattacks. Now, Japan has a much better midfield than Canada, but I mean, against Spain, outstanding performance. We don't know if Spain was actually trying to lose that match or not. But anyway, Japan held 17% possession. It's the lowest amount of possession held in a World Cup win in the history of the entire tournament. So can they replicate it? You know, they've obviously have taken advantage of their counterattacking opportunities and finished them. But, you know, Croatia, what we've seen from them so far is that, yes, they're still very, very good in the midfield even I'd say probably through the first 50 or so minutes of that match against Belgium, I thought Croatia was still the much better side. And then of course, Belgium was the one that created a bunch of chances towards the end. And Croatia has looked vulnerable defensively, not even that Belgium match, but especially against Canada, like Canada went up on on them. You know, Morocco didn't create much against them, but goalkeeper is an issue for Croatia right now. If you watch that Belgium match, like he made, countless mistakes after mistake and just got away with it and it was a problem coming into the tournament because this is the same goalkeeper in the Euros that had a minus 2 post shot expected goal plus minus and only four matches so Japan is absolutely live here to create the counterattacking opportunities like they did against Germany like they did against Spain and I think they will be able to do so and you know the fear here is that Croatia You know, they don't have the finishers up top to to cover this type of over, but Croatia does have the third most penalty box touches in this tournament. So they've been able to get in the final third and create chances just outside of the Canada match. They just haven't been able to put them away. So I do like over two goals, minus minus one thirty. I have 2.6 goals projected. And I think once the first goal goes in, you'll see this match completely open up and might see some chaos happen similar to the Serbia Switzerland match today.
1: That's one thing Japan hasn't done in this world cup score first. That's uh, true. Both, both, both their wins have come from, uh, two one where they've gone behind uh, one nil and scored two goals. Uh, so also like an, an interesting live betting team too, because the changes that they've made at halftime, you know, cross out the Costa Rica match, right. Where they, they played a C squad. If Croatia goes up one, nothing, all of a sudden the real Japan shows up and uh, they're the best team in the world. Anthony, uh, what are your thoughts on Japan and Croatia here?
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm joining you on Japan. You know, I was, if you, if you've followed me throughout this world cup, I was, I was cursing Moriyasu for the majority of the last week after the Costa Rica match, when he benched all of his good players and, and basically took a world cup match as like a friendly and they lost. And I was like, well, there goes the two advanced ticket, the Costa Rica ticket, the Japan's done. Like our dreams are over. And then they pull off. yet Whatever the hell happened yesterday. I mean, that was <laughs> an incredible match, but what was left underlying was that they played a lot better yesterday. They did against Germany against Germany. Like they created a bunch of chances in transition, but they were also conceding a bunch of chances like Spain didn't do anything in the second half. And yes, you know, part of me wonders if Spain really wanted to win that match. But the other part of me is looking at the, sh- the, the passing map from Spain. It was just basically Rodri passing it to Torres back to Rodri Torres, Rodri Torres, Rod- like they, they had no ability of getting, you know, getting into the final third in that second half. It was Japan's elite defensive press. And now, they face a slightly worse possession team and with it with much worse attacking players in terms of getting on the end of chances and getting shots. So I think Japan is live here a hundred percent. I like them plus a half. And you know, you mentioned it BJ, like the the second half against Belgium, they were horrendous. So I, I think that is notable. Yes. They never conceded. So they didn't have to like switch the, like flip the switch, but they were horrendous in that half. And I think that's pretty concerning. Croatia even expected goal difference coming out of a pretty mediocre group, Japan, putting in, you know, coming out of the group of death. I think that's definitely worth something here. So I like Japan plus a half.
0: Croatia's fullbacks got caught way, way too far out the pitch against Belgium. You saw Sosa. He obviously is one of their main creators, but once you get caught up too far to the pitch, there's so much room down the flanks. And, you know, Brozovic, Modric, and Kovacic just can't cover the ground like they did in 2018. So that is good news for Japan and being able to hurt Croatia down the wings. You talked about depth issues, BJ. Uh, The miles on this Croatia team are...
1: Pretty extensive, whereas Japan... They rotated like they, guys.
0: Anthony, it all worked out. They rotated, Anthony, rotated, they rotated, no, rotated, they
1: rotated they guys. They only did. play like 40 Man. minutes
2: a match. They only drive yeah, for a, the, it's incredible. for half hour. All
1: right, we could talk about this Japan team all night if we wanted to. A great way to spend your Friday night, but we'll move on. 2 p.m. Eastern time on Monday. Monday night football between Brazil. They're minus 400 on the three-way line. South Korea, the Taeguk Warriors get through somehow. 10 to 1 on the three-way The draw here is plus 475 Brazil minus 800 to advance South Korea plus 500. It's pretty hard to figure out what to make of Brazil's final match day result where they dressed a a completely different 11, sort of like we saw out of France, a little bit at Portugal, they lose to Cameroon on on a last minute winner. But other than that, they've, they've looked impressive BJ. I think that it's hard to go against them just because they, they lost their final, uh, their final match. So, I don't think anybody in this Zoom, their thoughts at Brazil have been diminished at all.
0: No, not at all. You could make the case that Neymar being out definitely hurts Brazil, and I think it does. Like even though he's been in the form of his life coming into the World Cup, and they just really lack that central presence on the pitch, that, that finisher in front of net. You know, I love Gabby's Jesus, but he's having some finishing issues for Arsenal and for the national team as well. So for South Korea, they can easily sit in deep low blocks, similar to how they did it against Uruguay. They're going to take away a lot of the middle of the pitch, those easy passes. That's why they were successful against Uruguay, essentially neutralized Valverde and Benasere. So they can do the exact same thing here to Brazil. I actually like under two and a half goals, a plus one fifteen. I think this under is just a little bit too high because we see this Brazil attacking offense. Oh my gosh, it's it's so amazing and everything, but. Yes, they have created quite a few expected goals, but you look at the Switzerland match, like I'd say that's very similar to the type of defense they're going to see from South Korea. Like they created just a little bit over one expected goal without Neymar in the lineup. And Brazil defensively, they haven't allowed opponents to create over one expected goal in this entire tournament coming into it. They only allowed 0.74 XG per 90 throughout South American qualifying and Copa America. So, you know, South Korea is basically going to have to do what they did today against Portugal. They're going to have to take advantage of their counterattacking opportunities. You know, he Chan Wang finally found the back of the net. You know, he hasn't done it all year for wolves, but his one touch for South Korea and he puts the ball in the back of the net. That's what they're going to have to do if they're going to beat Brazil here, but I expect them to sit very, very deep. And yes, a lot of South Korea's matches have gone over but you got to look at the game state and the game theory behind it. Like they conceded early against Ghana and they needed to win. If you look at the Uruguay match where it was the first match, of the group stage, they didn't really need to be that aggressive in terms of their counterattacking and applying pressure. They sat very, very defensive and they only held Uruguay to point one point five 0.5 expected goals. So I'm expecting the same thing from them. And this is probably a Brazil one, maybe two nothing win. Uh, but I think the, the over is just a little bit too much here because the, I think it's taking into account how good this Brazil attack offense is, but I really don't think we're going to see Neymar in this match, given what we've read from the reports coming out and even seeing the how big his ankle swelled up after that match. So I do like under two and a half goals and plus 115.
1: Uh, he was jumping over cones in a Qatari we'll gym. See. So we'll who knows? See. It was uh, a hotel I, gym. Yeah, hotel gym. Uh, Anthony, I know you're passing on this one. I'll likely be passing too. I think that I would lean towards what BJ was saying. A, a low event game especially out of the first half maybe a first half under or the first half to end nil nil because i think that brazil going to want to manage this game more than anything because they've seen what south korea can do this is a team that can come back and all of a sudden you blink and they're up two one against portugal and and they were able to fight back from two nil against uh, ghana as well so i think that brazil will will try to manage this game like you said win it you know one nil two nil sure they can play anyone off the park but uh I think uh, this this really has the feel of a, a pretty low event game, especially off the blocks. So I'll likely be joining you on on something correlated to the under. Tuesday is the final day of the round of 16. And then we get a break. We get a breather for a couple of days after that. Morocco and Spain is the morning match, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Morocco, the Atlas Lions. Anthony, you were all over them coming into the World Cup. They're six to one on the three-way line. Spain minus 175. The draw is plus 275 to advance Morocco's three to one Spain minus 400 BJ you think that this magical Morocco run will come to an end huh
0: I do unfortunately you know we obviously love Morocco coming into the tournament but let's be honest they were pretty fortunate through the group stage to actually win that group they created just 2.4 expected goals scored four times and then they they conceded 2.8 expected goals and only conceded one goal so they just have gotten lucky. And what concerns me in this match, Michael, is that coming into the tournament, Morocco was one of the best pressing teams in Africa. And they were very comfortable pressing a lot of lower na- you know, smaller nations throughout the continent, whether it be Africa Cup nations or world cup qualifying, they sat very, very deep and they did not provide much pressure against both Belgium and against Croatia against Belgium. They had a pass per defensive action of 13.7 and only forced just four high turnovers. So if they're going to sit back against Spain and allow them to just pick out the passes that they want, allow them to make runs into the box. It's, it's tough for me to see a path where Morocco can actually keep Spain out of the net. So, um, you know, Spain, I don't really take much from the Japan match, like great Japan win, but I, I really think they were trying to lose that match. So, and I think that if, you know, if it was a different situation where it was like, let's just say for hypothetically that, Costa Rica had held their lead against Germany for more than two minutes. I think we would have saw a much, much more aggressive Spain team trying to attack the box, trying to get those passes more into the, you know, into the final third, rather than like, you know, Anthony said just passing the ball between Rodri and Pau Torres. Actually, Rodri could the most passes ever in a world cup game. So congrats, congrats to him, but Spain's going to hold probably 75 or more percent possession in this match. So it's hard for me to see a path for Morocco who we haven't really seen sit in and defend against an elite, elite attacking side. Cause I would not consider Croatia or Belgium elite attacking side. So I do like Spain minus one at even money, similar to the theory behind England is that if Spain scores first, it's going to open up this match, which when you give Spain the best passing team and the best possessing team in the world space to operate, it's trouble. So I do like Spain minus one at plus 100.
1: Anthony, like I said, this this Morocco team they're they're near and dear to your heart. I'll talk about my bet after you break this one down. But I I think there's more of a, a path here than than Bj's giving them credit for. Yeah, uh,
2: I don't love the matchup. I was really hoping that Morocco would get a Germany or a or a Japan, you know, out of this group. That was the goal uh, because I thought they would have a better matchup stylistically with those two teams. Morocco, a fifth lowest percentage of possession in the group. They were able to comfortably sit deep against two older Croatian and, and Belgian teams and kind of keep them in check. Two consecutive clean sheets didn't concede more than one big scoring chance in either of those matches. So I thought they were stellar defensively, but you could see in those matches that they lacked like the transitional elements that you'd want to see from a team that that could really dominate here. And you saw a little bit of it against Canada, but again, the Canada transition defense is so bad and their their backline was so bad and, the, and I mean, the goalie gifted them a goal too. So... Spain's going to have 75 plus percent of the possession here. I think it's very hard for Morocco to do much against them in that kind of setting. Uh, So I don't really trust Morocco here. Uh, I wouldn't lay it with Spain either. I think the number's right around, right? So I'll be passing rooting for Spain. Now we have our Spain futures, Morocco. Thank you very much for the group group stage and getting out of that group and and winning. We appreciate them. Akeem Ziyech, you know, maybe could magic up something here, but again, this just feels like Morocco is going to get stuck in their own half for the majority and for the overwhelming majority of the match. This will be a very dominant Spain showing question is, can they finish? Maybe Alvaro will get it one or two goals here, get us through and help our golden boot tickets.
1: You guys are overlooking something. They paced the Costa Rica seven, 0 but has the Spain defense been good
2: in this no. tournament. No, not,
0: not really. So I think,
2: well, I think... Well, the biggest question mark is Jordi Alba. Cause so he went off against Germany, they immediately conceded through an error at left back from Balde. And then both goals came through the same area again. So like, does Jordi Alba being back help the Spain defense is Jordi Alba back. We don't really know. Like, I think that's a big difference though, because uh, they definitely looked a little bit leaky up that left side. And I think that would get shored up with a healthy Jordi Alba in this
1: match. Morocco is a moments team, right? Like, like Ziak so yeah, like you said, like he's a, a guy who can flip a script with just one kind of 10 second spell. And, I think that makes them dangerous against this, this, I would call vulnerable defense. And Unai Simone has been really bad in goal, like, and even with the ball at his feet, which is supposed to be, you know, the reason he's in the team is he's supposed to be the guy who's able to start, you know, get, get the ticky taka going from, from the, you know, the six yard box. Like he's looked bad. The, the defense was looked bad. This is a I I have no idea what to make of Spain. They could run through the rest of this tournament and I'd be like, all right, like, that the Costa Rica Spain is the Spain that is, is the real Spain, or they could lose to Morocco. And I, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I think that the, the defense is is way too vulnerable to lay this kind of number. So I'm going to see where it goes. I think that Spain will take money. And I think that we could get a, a pretty good number on Morocco uh, come Tuesday morning. So that's where I'm looking. The Atlas Lions keep their magic going. I think that, you know, I just don't trust the Spain defense enough to, to lay this kind of juice. So Morocco or nothing for me. And then we'll conclude. This show and the round of 16 will conclude Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Portugal minus 110 against Switzerland, plus 350. The draw here is plus 230 to advance. Portugal minus 225. Switzerland plus 175. Anthony, we already know that you are on the Swiss. I should probably phrase it that you are against the Portuguese. BJ,
0: what about you? I'm with them. I like the Swiss to advance at plus 175. I mean, the match against Brazil was was very, very impressive from a defensive standpoint for Switzerland. They only conceded one expected goal to Brazil off of 13 shots. I mean, this is a really, really, like we've said, coming into the tournament, a very, very well-drilled tactical side that is perfectly fine conceding possession, can stay very compact, has do two good center backs, has good goalkeeper. And like Anthony mentioned off the top, they looked awesome in transition today. Like Brie Bolo was very lively, scored a goal, you know, creating over 2.4 expected goals. Granted, it was Serbia, but, you know, Portugal we have a team in Switzerland that knows what they want to do tactically versus Portugal, where it seems at times they don't know what they want to do tactically. Like the Uruguay match was very, very evident that Portugal, yes, they can have a lot of possession. They can have a ton of final third touches, but they really didn't create anything. You know, they had the penalty at the end. So you see 2.7 expected goals. You say, okay, it wasn't that good of an offensive performance. Hey, they did score two goals. Well, one of them was off a cross that the goalkeeper just didn't come out and and get. And so obviously when the back of the net, but essentially, all Portugal shots just came from outside the box, and then you know, Uruguay really punched them. So you have a Swiss team that's perfectly fine, sitting compact, sitting deep. Uh, so I think this is a good, good position here for the Swiss to maybe get this extra time, like Anthony mentioned, and maybe eke out a win and finally end this luck box Portugal team. So I'm on the Swiss to advance at plus one seventy five.
2: Yeah, and they played twice in the Nations League this summer. They were in the same group. Portugal won the first meeting 4-0. That was against a pretty rotated Swiss side. When they played the second meeting, Swiss won 1-0. They scored in the first minute, so it was a bit of a bizarre kind of, you know, the game state get thrown off right away. But Switzerland did a very good job of kind of keeping everything in front of them. And Portugal, no runners in behind. Uh, Ronaldo did not play well in that match either. So I, I think there's a path here for, for Switzerland to get this extra time. And remember, last year at the Euros, very similar Swiss team, beat France on pens, and nearly beat Spain on pens. So this is a team that, look, they've been a dangerous you know, underdog team and they have a lot of veteran experience. Uh, I worried a little bit about them coming in that they would be like a little bit teetering on the edge of washed, uh, but they've looked great in this tournament and they've freshened up with some younger players.
1: Yeah, they did. They did look good. I, I mean, they, they looked unfamiliar and I mean that as a compliment uh, against Serbia today. They played open. They were creative. They looked dangerous when they had the ball and you know, they're going to be, you know, very well organized defensively. So when you add those two things together, I think that they should punch up pretty well as an underdog. So all three of us here are in Switzerland. I'm going to back them on the uh, the 90 minute line plus 350. I think the number is good enough. Um, you know what that means? This this Portugal luck box will continue. And guess what? When we when we reconvene in a couple of days, we'll bet against them again. And then they'll make it to the semifinal, and we'll bet against them, and they'll make it to the final. And we'll be talking about Cristiano Ronaldo in a World Cup final in a couple of weeks. And on that note, BJ Anthony, we'll bring to an end this live episode of Wondergoal. We thank you for watching, for listening. If you're listening to our podcast version. Until we see you again, go, go USA, and best of luck with all your soccer bets.